Touche. Touche. Oh, okay, so it's a weird one. <laughs> um, so Jen, as she does every year, is, is off being a working actor. She's currently in Hartford doing Christmas on the Rocks. So we have a guest host today. Can you believe it? Guest host. Uh, a guest host who's a former just guest, Harry Boovey. Hello. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. And we also have a guest guest. So let's talk about the guest guest like we normally do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, musical theater, actor, television, film, and uh, um, all around good person. And recently oh. filmmaker. Oh, filmmaker. See, I don't know about this. This is very exciting. No, this is good. Oh, we're going to... This is right. Exactly. Well, welcome, Jay Russell. Well, thank you so much for touché, having me. Touche. 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 This feels very strange. I know for you it's normal or yeah. as normal as anything, but it's very strange to not have Jen here. So I might, I don't know, say something like, I can't. Yes. Yes. Is that what she says? Yeah. All right. All right. Harry, say those things. Yes. Um, so welcome. Thank you so Thank much for, for doing it. So our podcast is sort of about people who have uh, clawed, scratched, and bit their way to the middle. I know that. That's me. That's me. <laughs> That's my life in a nutshell. So we always like to start out by asking people, like, what, what, how'd you, how'd you get the bag? Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm definitely one of those people who never, ever, ever did anything else, even since childhood. I think I was in in first grade. I was in a in Spanish class. We did Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in Spanish. I was one of the dwarfs. Maybe that's why I got first the bug. Mm-hmm. And then in junior <laughs> high school, we moved to Minnesota, and I started doing community theater, and. Uh, from then on, that's all I ever did. And uh, I went to a theater school in downtown Minneapolis uh, for a couple of years. You mean for like high school or for college? I, for high school. Oh, wow. So I did two summers, and then my last two years of high school, I would take my high school classes in the morning, and then I'd go downtown to this company called the Children's Theater Company, and we took, you know, acting, singing, dancing, all kinds of stuff. What was your main role? What was the role that you're known for even today? At that theater? Yeah. Uh, well, they were, it, it's actually kind of this, it was a world-renowned uh, theater until the man who founded it was arrested for diddling with little boys. No. Uh, it's still around. Uh, but that uh, does ever, tarnish your reputation. It tarnishes it a Just smidge. A um, I was never diddled with. Um, so they God. used, they were the first theater in the world to ever do a Dr. Seuss book on stage. They did some really beautiful, uh, artistic. So I did a, a play called The Clown of God by Tommy DePala, which was a children's book that they brought to life on stage. It feels very 70s. Um, no, I'm not quite that old. It was, uh, uh, well, the beginning of the 80s. Um, but was the book from the 70s? Uh, probably, yes. Yeah. yes. He directed it. I mean, the, my main memory was that he knew, it was probably like a cast of 80. He knew every single boy's name and all the girls he called Betty. <laughs> wow. So it would wow. be like, Jeff, Harry, Jay, Betty. No, not you, Betty. Betty. Uh, so that should have been a sign. And, uh, and your parents were, your mom my, was very supportive yeah, of you. I mean, my guy. mom was always very supportive, drove me to play practice. Oh yeah, and in grade school I also did, I was one of, in The King and I, uh, I played one of the little uh, children, and they put quick tan, and they were going to tape our eyes. It was another world. My but God, this they just has used... so many problems with <laughs> no, this, That's a different theater. This oh. is a Connecticut. Uh, so my mom was always very supportive, and my dad was sort of disinterested until I did a commercial in high school and made some money, and he was like, oh, you can make money doing this? Oh, okay. Yeah. And so then I went to Syracuse University and studied acting. And What was the commercial for? Uh, Perkins Cake and Steak. <laughs> I was a singing busboy. Oh, good for you. Yes. And, you know, for a kid in 11th grade, I probably made like 3000 bucks back in, you know, 1902. So that was, you know, it was was good then, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then I I went right from school to New York and been here ever since. uh, Late 80s. 
Uh, Early yes, 90s. in the late 80s. We're not going to talk about age and date, so <laughs> no. are we? Oh. It's radio. No, but, I could be 17. No, but one of, the re- <laughs> one of the reasons that I suggested to Jeff that we have you on, actually, is because you have had a very sustained, varied career. Until now. In, well, in the, in the theater world, in the theater world, and also TV and film. You're still here. You're still kicking. You're still doing it. Where did you move when you moved here? I lived first... In uh, Maspeth, Queens, you had to take oh, wow. a train and two buses. It was a total fucking oh, nightmare. Wow. Um, but then right away, I got my equity card. I did a tour with TheaterWorks USA. So the first five months, I was barely home. I was touring around in a van doing The Emperor's New Clothes. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I lived in Hell's Kitchen with an older actor. I, I sublet his second room, which was about the size of a bed and like two inches around the bed to move around. Right. And probably paid, I mean, I think it was $500 a month. It was probably like his entire rent. I think he still lives there. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, I lived there for a couple years. Then I lived in the Upper West Side for a little bit. Then I lived in Hell's Kitchen again. Um, And then I've been up in Washington Heights now for, in two different apartments for probably a dozen years. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's such a big part of it, isn't it? Living where to live? Yeah, just yeah. the real estate of it. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, Maspeth Queens, what the hell? I don't know. Some guy, <laughs> How did you even find that place? Some yeah. guy I did a reading with found it, and they needed a third roommate, and I needed a place to stay. And, you know, I think I went out on a nice warm day, and I was like, this doesn't seem too bad. And then I was immediately like, what a fucking nightmare right. this is. Yeah. So and, you got your equity card after a month? Pretty much, yeah. Oh my god! A lot of people got their cards through. The yeah, theater back then, USA, that, right? everyone got their yeah. cards through that. Yeah. yeah, and they're still around too. Yeah. Um, but that was like one of those like van tours. Yes, where you're like carrying the set. And you stuff. do everything. You it's just is the, the actors and a stage manager in a van all over the country, you know, and uh, doing these one-hour shows. But ours was written by. Uh, Aaron's and Flaherty, and they were oh. around then. They weren't quite famous, and they were at rehearsals. And um, and you were 22. Not even. I mean, God, when I first went to New York, I was... Right out of college. Right, right out of college. Yeah, maybe 22, 20, 22, something 22, 21, like 22. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, and it was... Uh, Did you have... Like, does Syracuse set you up with, like, connections and no. stuff? Now I think they have showcases and... You know, they have a New York semester, and because Aaron Sorkin went there, they have an L.A. semester. But back then, no, it was like, here, here's your hat, what's your hurry? I mean, nothing, really. There was right. no, I don't know if it was just a generational thing, but no, we had no showcase, no meeting, panel, night, or anything like that. So you just went to open calls? And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't, was it a BFA or a BA? BFA. I got a BFA. BFA. Yeah. Okay. I I got this summer stock job my first summer out of college in Cortland, New York, which is a little was a little SPT. I think my first summer we made a hundred and ten dollars a week, maybe, um, and then that was my home for every summer for like eight years. So I would come back to New York, wait tables, cater, do an occasional weird shitty job, and then every summer I'd get to go. Like play Seymour, I did Irma Vep, I did Italian American Reconciliation, I did The Mousetrap, I did, we did all kinds of weird, crazy shit. And it was like I knew I got to be an actor every summer for three months. And then all of my first friends in New York were from there. I got to direct, I got to stage manage, I got to choreograph, I helped cast. So that and was. Lots a, of people went through there, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did Italian American with Joe Mantello. Oh, um, yeah. And, well, that. Uh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was a it was a really it was a great place to have. I mean, I felt like even there? if I had a show, oh yeah, it's still there. Uh, I think even if I had a shitty year, I knew way ahead of time, you know, that I had great parts coming up in the summer, and uh, that makes it easier to yeah, go to the waiting tables. It kind of did, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... That's kind of how I feel about improv for me. Where it's like, okay, I had to go temp, but at least on Thursday I can play like a lady on stage. <laughs> and, then, and, then, the and then go do improv. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it sounds like you kind of hit the ground running. Like you found... Yeah. 
your way in. Yeah, I never, Harry and I were just talking about this because we were talking, reminiscing about what were our waiting table days. I never stayed in one restaurant very long because I always had this summer gig or I'd, any job, any job I got, I took. So, you know, I would go to a restaurant <laughs> and then I would leave and then I'd come back and they'd be like, who the fuck are you? And then, you know, uh, I never had seniority. I always had like brunch, lunch, right. and like maybe if you like, you know, suck three dicks you can get monday night dinner you know right, like just right. the worst shifts no. no money mean jaded horrible horrible waiters who'd been there forever so that was fun um <laughs> uh and then i kind of got tired of that and i catered for a while when they treated us like dogs dogs uh-huh. and uh but you predominantly felt like an actor yes yeah. That was your, you know, yes. yes, you waited tables, but you were an actor because yeah. you knew yeah. you'd get out of that waiting job as yes. soon as you got a... a and, I, you know, I've always been a character actor since birth, so I've always done a weird mix of, you know, comedy, drama, musical. I, I've done a lot of shows like Harry has where I played a million parts, so I've mm-hmm. done Irma Vep twice, I've done Travels with My Aunt, Fully Committed twice, uh... Around the world in eighty days, so you know anywhere where you play four to forty characters. So I've always had a good ear for dialects and uh, you know transformational kind of acting, which has been you know now that you're old, nobody wants you to transform. But uh, back then, I transformed a lot. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Because well, there just aren't those roles once you're over yeah, forty. I, th- I think there's less of them. I mean, there's an occasional thing where it's like. Uh, well, like the thing we saw, The Great Society, right. last night, where true. like guys, you know, older character guys play like three parts. Right. Know? But in general, you know, that sort of malleability kind of thing, I think, is more of a young person's game. Also now, it's all the hot people. Like the famous people? Like Christian Borle. Yeah. Playing the dentist. Yeah. Right. And all the other people in, yeah. in Little Shop. It's like... Don't, yeah. don't take that away from a character totally, person. Yeah. Totally. You're, a, totally. you're a hot leading man. Right. <laughs> go, go be a hot leading man. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you got those guns. What are you doing wasting them off Broadway? But do you think at all that speaks to the idea that even a guy like him needs the job? Does he need that job? No. Or is he doing the job because no, he it's a it. lark? No, no, no. What else does he have going on? Christian Borle? I mean, he—that's uh, what I mean. He probably has a ton of things going on. I would, but also, Although I, will I say, don't know. I will say with this podcast, what I've really discovered is that everyone that you're like, well, they're fine, yeah, right. are always being like, I'm not fine. Totally, I need more. Right. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody who's. But I don't think he's and... doing that so like he can get health insurance weeks or some mm. shit. Who knows? I mean, seriously, who knows? What was the last big high-profile thing? Wasn't he on? Was he on Smash? He was on Smash, and he played Shakespeare. And in he that won a one Tony. Show. And he won a Tony. He won a Tony. Um, well, he's won two Tonys, but he won a Tony the last time he was on Broadway. Yeah, he for probably something doesn't need the job. You're right. And but like every reading I've done in the last two years has him as the. The but, lead. but I think that those like the I mean I don't know these Sutton Foster Christian Borle they mm. they do like a thousand readings because every show wants them to be in it but then either the shows don't happen or they don't want to do the show because right. they've done right. it before I mean a lot of people I mean he's kind of a I mean he's good looking but he's a character actor he probably doesn't want to do the same thing he just did he wants to do new stuff and plus the Little Shop I've done it twice I mean it's a perfect show. I mean, I would do it in, you know, your bathroom. I mean, it's such a, you know, it's a perfect, perfect Yeah, show. but your bathroom has a good contract. It does. It has good acoustics. <laughs> it's great acoustics. And it pays over a grand a week. Totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so when, um, when was the first, like, thing that you got where you were like, oh, this is big? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, my first regional theater job... Uh, at Cincinnati Playhouse was Mystery of Vermouth and I mean I it was a thousand years ago but I remember thinking oh my god mm-hmm. if I could make 550 a week and do regional theater for the rest of my life I would never complain another day <laughs> I thought I had just made it I thought really? that was it what else could you want I'm a working actor 
That's nice. Yeah, See, that's... that lasted ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. No, longer. no, that lasted a little longer. Right. That was a big deal. I mean, um, besides that, I mean, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of cool big deals. See, but when I started out, I don't know about you. I'd be interested to discover it. And that's right. what I'm going to ask. <laughs> um, I was sort of like, eventually, I'll be a movie star. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I really had what I would call delusional thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but were, were you very much like, oh, I just want to be on a regional stage? You know, I never wanted, I mean, I wouldn't turn it down, but I didn't have that, I want to be a TV or a movie star. Oh, I mean, sometimes I think really? not having it. I think Harry and I, I don't want to speak for him, have that similar. We've never had that ambition and hunger for that, per se. I've just always wanted to work, do huh. challenging things. I mean, what I would like is to, you know, not have to worry about money and to right. do things that are, you know, different than the last thing I just did, yeah. you know? And... uh challenging and a little scary and I like things that are a little political and you know those still come along that often the when you have them they sometimes can hold you for a year or two till the mm. next one and then you have some crap in between <laughs> but um no I never really had that huh I never had that did you my, my desire to be on television grew huh. for, you know as as I did more work and had less and less money Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when you were talking about doing regional theater, you know, I when I started, I basically did about 10 years worth of regional theater where I had, you know, two or three what I consider really good jobs per year. My first big sh was playing Lewis in Angels in America in a co-production at the oh Buffalo Studio Arena, now defunct, and the Syracuse Stage. And, you know, so it was a massive, uh, great thing. And so I just, I, I loved that so much, and I did it. But then after about 10 years, I thought, you know... If I don't do musicals, because I think if you're a stage actor, right. but you're not famous, yeah, you can't get a play. On you Broadway. can't get a play in New York. You can, certainly can't get a play on Broadway. Right. But and and the only way to make money as a stage actor, I think, is if you do musicals or if you're a star. You know, because in New York City, even if you get cast at Playwrights Horizons or right. Lincoln Center, or I mean, these aren't jobs that are going to secure you. Right. Whereas the people who go and do musicals, they they can buy an apartment after a year contract if they're playing a lead. You know, I mean, so, hmm. and that's what happened for me. That's when I started doing musicals. But being on TV, which I know is something that you've that you've always wanted, that's always been in your in your in your you know desires. Uh, that that did grow for me because there did come a point where I saw other actors that I knew go, getting television shows and going. Okay, wait, why not me? Then I started playing the whole compare and despair game. Yeah. Right. You know, like, sure. why not me? Why is that person? I actually have something, I believe I have something to contribute on a TV series. I could be really funny, or I could, you know, and that just, it didn't happen for me. Right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. I, maybe it's also because, like, I grew up um, not really doing, like, I didn't, I didn't even know what regional theaters were. Until I moved to New York and had Where been here from? for a while. Texas. From Texas. And so all I wanted was to be, you know, on the sitcom. Yeah. So I could open the door and the laugh track could happen. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that sound good? Mm. Oh, real good. <laughs> oh, that's good music. Mm. I always laugh when you come through the door. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, <laughs> In a good way. Okay, good. Because you're so funny. <laughs> so, um, okay, so that's so interesting. So... Good regional gigs and stuff, and then I mean, and, I'm one, and I've worked a good deal in New York. I mean, not as much as I would like, but I mean, I love you know. As you get older, you know, the idea of going out of town is just less appealing. Right. You know, I mean, sure. it's hard out of town jobs. It's hard financially to make it worthwhile, where you don't end up losing money because you have to deal with your apartment back home, and I have a cat, and <laughs> you know, and and you know, Harry and I've talked about this forever. I mean. You could show up in whatever city, in New Haven, Cincinnati, St. Louis, you know, wherever, and it's the same apartment in every, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. some are nicer than others, but it's the same white walls, generic used furniture. And you're like, okay, this is my home for the next five, six, seven, eight weeks. And there's been times, and I think there'll be times in the future, it's not over, where I'm like, I love 
going away and saying, my job for two months is to do the best production of importance of being earnest or blah, 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 or whatever. And uh, that's all I have to worry about. I don't have right. to worry about New York bullshit and all that craziness. And like, you know, oh, I should have coffee with my 70,000 friends. I can just like, I am getting paid to be here to do this job. And that has been, I love that. Yeah. But then, you know, you just get to the age where you're like, I like living at home. I like my bed. I like my life. And I don't want to. So what would it take to get you to go out of town right now? I mean, to me, the things I look at when an audition, the rare days an audition comes in, you know, I mean, I look at what's the salary, what's the part, what's the theater, who's the director. So, I mean, to me, it has to have, ideally, two or three of those that are appealing. Yeah. But if it's like, not a great city, not great money, not a great part, a director I never heard of... You know, if it's an original piece and there's a possibility that it would have... I mean, that's how Harry and I, we knew each other, but we really became friends at the Humana Festival in Louisville, where we both, you know, originated roles in new plays. Um, his went on... Did yours have a life? The, that no. play didn't no. really have much of a the life, but did. the writer, Shaw White, who's gone on to write, what was that, The Snow... The, Snow Geese, uh, he wrote uh, that play with Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember uh, the name. Oh, the, 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 the Other Place? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and he's writing for television. He writes now, for television yes. now. I mean, Char, Char and I had known each other for years before I did yeah. that show at, at Louisville. And mine, uh, Eric Koble wrote the play I did. The play didn't really go on, but he's gone on to be a very prolific. He lives in uh, Ohio, but he's a wonderful writer. <laughs> so, I mean, that... I loved that. I love being at that festival of new works and, you know, the couple of times I've got to originate a part. I mean, there's just nothing like that. It's incredible. Right, you because know. you actually, you get to put yeah, your stamp on it. Totally, totally. Especially a place like that. I mean, yeah. it's crawling with actors. There yeah. are like, you know, what what was it, six major plays Something happening like at the that. same time yeah. and then a bunch of smaller things that, yeah. the, that the Louisville company right. of... One, I did one of the 10-minute plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's like a... Fe it feels like a festival, yeah, so right. you're just surrounded by theater and just, you know... But then, I mean, um, I love, like, you know, I did... Harry and I both worked at different times at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, which is in the middle of nowhere, Utah, and it's a very long gig. It's a four-month gig. Oh, my but God. But I got to do Bottom and Midsummer Night's Dream and Jeffrey and the Lion of Winter in rep for months, uh, you know, in beautiful productions and, you know, doing roles that have a great history that you are getting to sort of make your own. So, I mean, I love that, too. I love the handing down of... Uh, roles that have been done thousands of times and then kind of stepping into them. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Were you working with an agent right away? When did you get your agent? Like, so during that Theater Works this, USC, um, USA? Thing? No, God, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I, a cast, I started early on, kind of by happenstance, being a reader for a lot of auditions. Oh, uh, I want to do that and so bad I got right a couple now. of jobs from that. And... Um, I, one of the casting directors that I've been reading for called me in for the production of Hello Mudda, Hello Fada that played off-Broadway <laughs> at Circle on the Square downtown, which doesn't exist anymore. And I covered all three of the men. It had like an eight-month run, and I did the whole eight months, and I probably went on, I don't know, 60, 75 times oh for God. all the parts. <laughs> and um, from that, there were times that I knew I was going on for like two weeks at a stretch right. until while, while they were replacing an actor. So I invited a lot of agents, and an agent came to see me, and that's how I started with an agency. Um, was that so hard to cover? I've never really done that. I've done it a couple of times. I mean, you definitely have to have a certain kind of brain to be able to do it, but I think cause... I love transforming, and I love, uh, you know, and that show, it was three parts, but everybody played a million parts, too. Right. So. Did you have to, like, match what they did? No. Well, because oh. one of the guys was Jason Graw, who was the original, who had a just a glorious voice from God, which I don't. So the one, it was mostly a lot of, hell, you know, kind of comic songs, but he sang one 
ballad and it was like if I go on which I did in that part we have to take that down to like you know <laughs> and they were like of course so you know I made it my own whatever um, but no anytime I've covered I've never felt like you have to do what the other person has done I feel like I you know I respect what they've done and I'm trying to keep the show running not fuck up anybody else but also make it your own Oh. Yeah. Um, Depends on the production. I mean, too. I People was in Our Town that ran off Broadway that was uh, that David Cromer directed, and I played the small role of The Undertaker, but I understudied the stage manager, and it ran for... I didn't do the whole run, but I did it for about a little over a year, and I went on, again, like 50 times for the stage manager. Oh, wow. And I was never, ever told to do it like him or like the guys who preceded him in it. Eventually, a woman preceded Helen Hunt did it. So, yeah, in that way, I feel like I've been lucky. Um, my Broadway debut was covering a part. Uh, I covered Toby Jones uh, in something called The Play What I Wrote. And if anyone knows Toby Jones, he's about four foot tall and bald with a little belly. He's, he's a British actor. Wasn't he the one that played... Um, Truman Capote. Truman Capote, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a spectacular actor, but clearly at six foot two, I... Uh, I'm nothing like him. So, uh, you know, that was one of these situations where they never had rehearsal. They said he'll never miss. And he played in London. He never missed. He never missed. And then he was out for two weeks and I went on with basically no rehearsal. And, you know, I learned it and I saved the day. And it was, you know, my Broadway debut and it was awesome. What was it like to make your Broadway debut? It was exciting. It was exciting. I was ready and... um, uh, How long after you moved to New York did you make it to Broadway? Broadway. Broadway. What year was that show? Uh, what was that? Maybe 98? No. Oh, you're going to look it up? I'll look it up. The play, yeah, he, the play What I Wrote. The Play What I Wrote. No, it was in the 2000s. Was it? Yeah. I, I would know. say... I realize that. Oh, no, I don't have internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like it might have been in like 2003. Something like so that? you were you were here for you you, yeah. you didn't get your Broadway debut no. immediately you no. you were you were wise enough to realize this is a big deal yes that yes. doesn't happen all the time yes yeah I mean I've had you were saying like what was the I mean I've had a lot of 2001 2001 I've had a lot of cool gigs I had a lot of gigs that seemed like they were going to be cool and then didn't turn out to be so cool um, by the way I think it's kind of a badass thing that you didn't know what your your Broadway debut was in really yeah, yeah. kind of the fact that you forgot I mean but I mean I remember the exact year I got the producers tour oh I remember God. the exact year I remember exactly what I was doing I know the when exact I got... day I made my Broadway debut really yeah what was your Broadway debut Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson oh of course yes. I saw you in it he was, it was I know my Broadway finale you're <laughs> <laughs> amazing in that you're so good in that that was great. But I love that, you, that you're that you so badass that you're like, eh, somewhere in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. I'm bad at years like that. But um, did you think at the time where you're like, okay, this is it. I've made my Broadway debut. I'm this Now it's all going to, it's nothing can no, go wrong. No, because you were too you know? long. It was too late. Yeah. You already knew like, no, I know the score. I mean, I do think this is sort of the rub is that I never felt like one job was like, this is it, I've made it. But I certainly felt like certain doors are open and will stay open and I will move in a forward trajectory and that has not been the case. So that part of, you know, I've come forward again, but I'm but the whole up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, I mean, in, every, in so many jobs. I mean, in a TV job where you're like, you know, uh, I did this episode of Gotham a couple of years ago, and I had two great scenes with two of the leads, and, I mean, it couldn't have gone better, and the response, the director was like, you know, writing me a love letter, and I just thought, wow, I went into this casting office that never met me, I booked this part, like, now I'm no longer going to play, you know, generic man to third for the left who says more coffee. Now I'm going to be like, I'm going to have names, and I'm going to, you know... And no, no. <laughs> and yeah, same with theater and just it, 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 you have to. And I would bet that's even for to go back to like Christian Bohr or whatever. I mean, it's just not a career that is 
a steady incline. And I think in some ways I'm grateful that like if right out of the gate you hit with something, I feel like you're destined, it's destined to come down. So I do feel like the fact that I was here for a couple of decades before I started, you know, hitting in anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess it made me more realistic to the fact that it's just up and down and up and down. But don't you think there's something, there? There's, there is a slight legitimacy that's lended to you once you have Broadway credits where you're like, at least you're not, I don't know. Like, yeah. Like, once you have, like, a tour, like, you... you I don't know. Well, certainly in the eyes of your agents, they see you differently a little bit. I mean, I, I do. Well, I think that they do. I think they, they probably initially do. Like, after I did the producer's tour, all, you know, all, that was my first big musical. Then all of a sudden they were sending me in for just musicals. And I was like, no, no, no. That's yeah. not that's not really what I do, right. but but yes, I mean some kind of legitimacy must have sort to of to myself and my immediate <laughs> friends and family. Totally <laughs> to the business, no. Mm. I would say no. For me, I mean, it it ends and you go on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like you're always auditioning. Yeah, essentially, even your your resume. I always say the thing about the resume is that a resume is great. Great to have a full resume, but the people you're auditioning for didn't see those plays. Yeah, so right. what? It's great Sometimes that you've done have. that. Yeah, I mean, mo I mean, most like, of the regional theater stuff I've done, they have not seen it. Yeah, so it's like no, it's true, great that he true. played that part. Right, but, but he I might have see it. He might have biffed it. it yeah, might have been yeah. a terrible. He production. might have sucked. So I still got to have him in. I mean, you way know? back my first big thing that I thought was gonna be something, yeah. I booked um, a production of Applause. <laughs> With Stephanie Powers, <laughs> yeah, that played at um, it played at the Paper Mill, and then we immediately went on a national tour, headed to Broadway, uh, and uh, it was produced by the Weislers. Oh, not at the Paper Mill, but the tour was, and it. I had a small principal role. I played her agent, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we had a schedule of a six month tour, and then moved to Broadway in the spring, right before the Tonys. Welcome, and people. To the exactly. <laughs> And people, uh, you know, sublet their apartments and made arrangements. Right, right. And it um, it was at that point, I mean, the room, Comden and Green and Strauss and Adams were all there all the time. Right. It was directed by Gene Sachs, choreographed by Anne Ryan King, um, oh. production supervisor Tommy Toon. Oh they were God. all there all the time. And um, it was... Probably one of the jobs where I, I, if I ever have thought about dropping out of showbiz, it was because of that really? job. Oh yeah, it was. I wrote a journal about during it, and I, I felt like every day. I mean, they did fire some principals, and I felt like every day my job was in jeopardy. And it was, uh, we closed on the road after five weeks oh. after th after three cities. And uh, obviously never came to Broadway. And, Why? Uh, Do you think? I mean, I yeah, think... what happened? I think it's not a great show. She was, although she was lovely to me, she was not, you know, the ideal person. Right. And it was not a great production of a not great show. <laughs> and we would ride the van to the paper mill with Charles Strauss and Lee Adams. Comedy Green obviously came on their own. Um, and I'm they surprised would, Charles Strauss didn't. Uh, they would say how in 1970, <coughs> that show and Lauren Bacall, it was just some magical... It was almost like they were saying, we know the show wasn't that great, mm -hmm. but it was just her in that role in 1970 at that moment, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. It was magic. Right. And it just, like, became this thing. It's legendary. Yeah. And well, and she was known as like this huge movie star, yes. and like yes, and she, you know, she kind of was a Margot Channing, whereas yes. Stephanie Powers was a TV star who yes. was married to William Holden, and that was kind of yes, it. yes. Oh, I don't think they're ever married. <laughs> oh, were they just no lovers? She did make us some um, lifetime members of the William Holden Wildlife Foundation. Though I still get all these years later, I still get mailings from. I didn't that. know she was with William Holden. Yeah, yeah, for his whole last chunk of his life. Oh wow! Um, I know I mean, that because was, I read her biography. She was amazing. Mm. She had great <laughs> stories. You know, she, you know, knew. Everyone, her first one of her first roles was in a movie called Die, Die, My Darling with Tallulah Bankhead. Wow. And she would tell stories about that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was my first tour. It was my first anything. And then it was, uh, yeah, crashing. It just sort of like, 
we couldn't believe it. It's like, what do you mean we're closing? We have dates. I have family and friends coming to see us in these other cities. And it was just like, it's over. It's yeah. all over. What what'd you do? I mean, how uh, did you? I luckily you... had got a sublet for my little studio. And I think before we left on tour, there were hints that there was trouble. And so I had said in the sort of illegal agreement we had come up with that I can always give you two weeks notice and you're out so luckily I did some people were not as lucky wow. a lot of I do have to say I mean I don't want to go on about the Weisslers um, they were you know challenging but they it was right when Chicago the revival of Chicago opened up Broadway when we were on tour uh-huh. and they did keep and continue to keep a thousand years later a lot of those dancers from that production of applause employed through Chicago in New York and all over the world. So they were very Dennis Jones was were you in ever applause. In Chicago? Oh. I did it at the Westchester Broadway Dinner Theater, <laughs> but not on Broadway. <laughs> but you've no. never played because you would be a good what's his Mr. Cellophane. Yeah. Yes, I was. I was a very good Mr. Cellophane. Yes, <laughs> Amos Hart. Um, Maybe one week when they have Usher in, they can just toss you. Sure. Right? <laughs> Let me make a call. And then when Tom Hewitt comes back, you'll have to leave because they'll have to bring in somebody else. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, so what's the secret of sustaining it? We talk, we talk about this daily. What is the secret? You tell me. I mean, I mean, something that I'm sort of fascinated by is, you know, when you talk about, okay, for a while, when you're young, you wait tables, you go do your job out of town, you come back, you wait tables again, you go out, you do it. That's sort of how you sustain it. You do this. Then when you, when you're tired of the waitering game, you switch to something else. How... How do you sustain it differently now than we sustained it when we were young? I mean, something, I mean, I, I, I stopped waiting tables because I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, did I, I just couldn't, you know, but so I had to find something else As you to do. age and you, you get more connections, you find jobs that aren't quite as soul-crushing. Right? Do yeah. You? Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, you start coaching or you teach. Or right, you, because Jay yes. and I both yes. teach now. Jay, especially, is teaching a lot right now. And, and it, it has sustained you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would say, I mean, I could like talk about this ad nauseum, as Harry knows. Um, well, good. We've got when a podcast. I, <laughs> lucky we have a podcast. I would say when I was coming up in the business, you could be an actor. And, and have good years and bad years and good months and bad months, but just pursue being an actor. And that was conceivable to do. Now I feel like, and I felt like New York and LA were the only cities that that existed. Everywhere else where you'd go work, people were like, oh, I'm an actor and I'm a teacher and I'm in this and I'm that. I was like, oh, not in New York, we're just actors. But now I have had to add a number of hyphenates to, is that the right word? Hyphenates, yeah. Um, so, you know, it started as actor, coach, and that it was, you know, actor, coach, teacher, director, now filmmaker. I mean, just to, combination of pay the bills, combination of stay creative and not have a soul crushing, you know, um, bang your head against the wall. So, you know, I kind of, luckily fell into teaching and uh, uh, I'm teaching at AMDA now and I really, really like it. And it's uh, gone from something that was sort of part-time to more full-time. But it goes semester to semester, depending on how much, how many hours I want to offer them. And then, yeah, I made a film. I've been starting to direct. um, And I think out of necessity, it financially and spiritually and artistically and emotionally. I don't know unless maybe you're very young or very beautiful or very lucky or something. I, I don't know if you could just be an actor, period, anymore. I mean, you know, you're an actor, improv, podcast, you right. know, I mean, you, gotta write. you know, you, gotta you have to just, your own yeah. you do. I mean, you just, but you feel like there was a time when you didn't have to do that, huh? I do. I, I mean, know. or that my money jobs had nothing to do with anything except paying my rent and putting food on the table. I mean, now my money jobs are, you know, part of feeding my creative soul as well. You right. Know? And, um, and the rent and some is of them, higher. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's <laughs> the other thing. I mean, I mean, the economy's changed yeah. dramatically. And the, the creative outlets in New York, showbiz itself has changed dramatically yeah. in New York City. You know, I remember when I first moved here, you know, I did a production of Bent off off Broadway. You did? Like at the at something I think it was at the Ohio Theater maybe or maybe remember those old, those spaces Theater, that were yeah. downtown? There were like all these little spaces yeah, yeah. downtown. Does the flea still exist even? I think I don't, so, does yeah. the flea still you know, like different places, it just seemed like there was more of that. More places where like you know, sort of similar to Chicago storefront theater, where people yeah. were renting spaces in you know in buildings and putting on a play. Yeah, you know that wasn't necessarily. It's not necessarily there to be a theater space, but it's you know it, it becomes one for these people who can afford to just you know. I think that still happens. You think it still happens to you? I do. I just think it's in Bushwick, and we don't know anything about it because yeah. we're in our forties. I think maybe it, <laughs> no. That's a very good. That's it a very good point. Be, I mean, I've, you could do it in Manhattan. I guess it was used more to of be the there was more of a thriving off Broadway world of new works. And right. Well, that's now true. I feel like off Broadway are just a combination of trimmed down productions of Broadway shows. Sure. Or. The theater companies that are off Broadway, you know, playwrights and blah blah blah, which none of us can get auditions at. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think there's probably off off and off 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 that do stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I this roommate I lived with in Hell's Kitchen way back when. I mean, he used to talk about the days. I suppose every person looks back. Oh, it used to be better when there was. He would do like five new plays a year off Broadway back when he first came to New York. Yeah. Now. Pfft, yeah, good luck. You know, and there were companies. Remember Drama Department? You yeah. know, um, Scott yeah. was in Drama Department. And, you know, it just, uh, I, I don't know, it just seemed like there were there were other ways in. I used to go to Tuesdays at 9 at Naked Angels, oh which God. I know still yeah, exists. Yeah, so that yeah. That still exists. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine just had something yeah, right there. Yeah, elevator repair service yeah. and yes. uh, right. debate society. Right. And you know, There are those things. It's just, I think it's also just that we're not as hungry. You know and, what I mean? And, and we're, we're not just, as willing to do you're right. something it's, for it, free. It's also just being older. Yeah. And yeah. i.e. old. Actually old. Because there's, there's um, although there are plenty of people my age and older who would gladly haul their ass out to whatever, I suppose, and be, yeah. in, you know, like. Yeah, but not people who've had success. Yeah, maybe the, is that I think what it you're is? I'm talking about people who have n no credits whatsoever might yeah, do that, but nobody right. who's, who's actually made money somewhere is going to do yeah. that. It's just too exhausting, right? Yeah. yeah, but 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 for those of us, for for example, like when you know Jay and I both, you know, you know, we've been in the big tours and things. You once that money's gone, which yeah. it's gone, like the last tour I did, all that money's gone. Yeah, and so y'all were both the goat, right? We were we both, both the, goat the goat in, in the tour of Wicked. In the tour of Wicked, not at the same time. He did it first. <laughs> I did it a couple years later, and you know that money's gone because it's gone. If, if something doesn't come in right afterwards to you know sort of sustain you, yeah, you have to just. See, spend... That's why you need TV as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely for that sweet, sweet cash. Yeah, it's that three pronged stool. Yeah. So if, if 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 I'm if I'm an older actor and I and I don't actually feel like I'm connected and making connections, why am I not going to those? Why am I not going? Like, am, is it just my pride? By oh well, I've had success, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to that. Or am I? You know, when you had Mike Doyle on a couple episodes ago, you know, he was talking about the clubs. You know, it's all like different clubs. Getting totally. into this club, getting into that club. Well, I know, think that's and, also it, though. Is right. You you've kind of you you found your clubs yes and you planted your seeds and you're waiting for them to bloom and you're yeah. not looking for any more clubs to plant it's your seeds too in. many clubs well it's exhausting you can't do them all yeah it's true I got my UCB yeah and I go and I plant my seeds there yeah and I got my public theater and I go and I plant my seeds there yeah, yeah. and that's kind of it for Jeffy yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I'm not gonna also go to Tuesdays at nine and right. go to playwrights and I don't know what you would do at playwrights yeah. but I don't know what they do. Usher. Yeah. <laughs> go usher so that people will be on their mind. I saw a strange loop. That was enough. <laughs> I paid for tickets. <laughs> so Jay, tell us how the how the film came about. Yeah, how did that well manifest? <laughs> well, in in the vein of what we're talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, sustaining yeah. yourself through this, you know, and a creative and outlet. Yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
literally and figuratively. <laughs> Although certainly the film hasn't fed me literally. No. Um, literally. Uh, so you've fed others. Yes. Two. Well, even more than two years ago now, I was feeling. Um, you know, I've, I've always, this year notwithstanding, you know, kind of worked fairly consistently as an actor. This year has been not so much. Um, but uh, I was feeling just a little uh, unchallenged, stuck, not very creative. The kinds of parts, you know, I was doing were, you know, just not, they were sort of, dried up mocked old people who were not like oh, you know full Mel- of, of juice and life and uh, sexuality I mean I ended up I did Malvolio twice and I ended up that was a, a great part yeah At I first I was sort of anti and then I grew to love it but um but you know just um not feeling very challenged creatively. And I was, you know, these random things happen. I was on the subway with this guy who I know through a friend of a friend, and he had taken this workshop with this woman, and he said it was about self-producing a piece of art. And he came out of it uh, and made a short film. And I had never thought about making a film in my entire life. It was just not something I had like dreamed of doing but I called this woman I looked at her website and I decided to do it it was 12 weeks one Monday night every week for 12 weeks and that's a long class um yeah 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 um now I think she mostly does them virtual online Mm -hmm. I don't think she does them I was one of the last ones where we actually went in person um go for her and uh you know I thought I had written a full length play that uh, people really like, but I couldn't get any sort of momentum. I kept kind of waiting for someone to say, here's a check, and it never happened. And uh, I also thought about writing something more autobiographical. I'm a 15-year throat cancer survivor. I'm, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I just thought I wanted to create something. I didn't know what. And I went into this thing, and... I'm not going to bore you with the whole thing, but I decided I was maybe going to make a film, like a feature film. And then I was like, whoa, that's insane. And I had remembered this weird little play, a 10-minute play I had written years ago that was completely unproducible that I put in a drawer. Um, And I think Harry and one other friend of mine had read it, and I never showed it to anyone Well, else. we had been in a writer's group Yeah, together. yeah, we had been in a writer's right. group we, way that, we, way. that we had created. So the, the premise of the play was that when, you, when the audience arrived, they would give their cell phone numbers to the house manager, and they would watch the play, but they would read the dialogue on their cell phones. They would be text, because it was all about people texting back and forth. And when the two fun. people I showed it to were like, no one will give you their number. Plus, you're asking everyone to keep their phone on. What if they get calls? What this was that I was like I want it I want the cacophony I want it and it was ridiculous um, they did that for privacy at the public oh did they really it was they had, to that? We, well you kept your phone on and you, you used it throughout the show yeah alright so it, they stole I my idea I think cutting edge well, yeah. Jay so then I was like that the would curve. be a great short film it has a great story it has a great twist it has a surprise and I it took me like one night and I reconceived it as a screenplay Hmm. and she helped me come up with a budget and a plan to raise money and uh, before you know it I was hitting send to three or four hundred people that I've known in my life saying I'm doing this thing would you consider supporting it uh, in whatever way whether ten dollars a thousand dollars you know the more money you give the more perks you get blah 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 you know I did you do like a Kickstarter or I didn't I just did a personalized email campaign oh okay uh, because one of this woman's her name's Molly Pearson her workshops are called the leap workshops um, one of her things is you come up with your budget then you write down everyone you're going to ask for money and you write down next to their name how much they're going to give you. And of course you're like, I don't know how much Harry's going to give me or how much Jeff is going to give me. And then you just guess. So I say, okay, well, Jeff might give me $10. He might give me zero. He might give me 50, but I'll put 10. Harry, I've known a little longer. I bet he'll give me 50. And then you add all those numbers up. And if it adds up to close to your budget, 
you don't need a Kickstarter. Uh, if if you add that up and it's only a thousand dollars and your budget is fifteen thousand dollars, you need a Kickstarter. Right. And my budget was about fifteen thousand, and I added up all those numbers, and I was like, because I felt like I knew six or seven people who I thought would give me a thousand dollars, and they got to be executive producers for that. And I ended up with I think eight of those people. Wow. And then everything else was a hundred, two fifty, ten dollars, twenty five, fifty, a hundred, whatever. And so the money started coming in. And then you um, raised it in about ten days, it. right? Well, 12, no, I mean in a couple in a couple weeks, okay. in a couple weeks. All right. And then yeah, I hired a crew. I a f- old friend of mine offered to cast it, and suddenly I was making this movie, and I wrote and directed it. And you know, at one point I thought I'd be in it, and it just um, this particular story was not the story of a guy my age. It was a story of guys who are in their late 20s. So mm. it felt like, as much as I had originally thought, I want to make something I can act in, I just thought it would change the story. And, um, you know, I had never even, I mean, in my whole life, maybe I'd seen two short films ever. No, I've seen <laughs> a thousand million <laughs> infinity. Um, and I made it, and it went, I mean, it was horrifying and really hard and stressful, but it came out really well, and it's, you know, played all over the world. It's won a bunch of awards. It's um, How many festivals did it get into? About 35 festivals. Oh, wow. Uh, I got to spend a week in Cardiff, Wales, in one of the most prestigious LGBT film festivals in the world. Huh? Um, went to London. I went to a couple different cities in America. Um, and the response was beyond anything I could have hoped for. I mean, people really, it really resonated with people. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, so what does this mean? Yes. What do you mean? Well. Oh, now? Yeah, what does that, what does that say for you we in just the had, future? We just had an argument, a slight argument about it last night. We were talking, and I said to him, so did, did that sustain you? And if it didn't sustain you financially, which of course it, it didn't, didn't, because it didn't make well, you, you any money. You don't make money, money off a short film. How did? You know. No, not of course not. No. But was it worth it? Oh God, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It definitely, creatively, definitely sustained me. Uh, I mean, the thing. But does that, that make you want to do more? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, uh, I definitely feel like. Um, I love that I made this thing that is exactly how I want it. No matter how many times you watch it, it's not, it's tangible, it's concrete. Every millisecond of it is just the way I wanted it to look, sound, and be. Because you directed um, it. I directed it, wrote it, produced it, yeah. Set with the editor. Um, yeah. So um, for many, many hours, yes. Because uh, there's not very much dialogue in it. So mm. I actually, as opposed to the editor being able to do a pass and show me, I had to be there with him every second. Mm. Uh, so he was like, what's happening here? I was like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what's next. I kind of don't feel like, A, I don't have an idea for another short. And I feel like for my first short, I can't imagine a scenario where it would have gone better. So it feels... Like, why do another short? So the next thing is, do I do a feature? And of course, that's a lot more money, a lot bigger of a thing, a leap to take. But I'm contemplating that. Well, do you ever think about doing a short that's maybe a little bit more challenging in some certain way or another? Maybe more locations or more... I mean, I just feel like... You've done that. Yeah, a little bit. And the, and the short, I mean... You can't really make any money off of it. It's really a calling card uh, or a test to see if you're what kind of filmmaker you are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I passed. I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I like did that. Sure. So I do feel like I probably could, God willing, you know, raise <clears throat> another fifteen thousand and make another short. But I think the question is, do I have it in me to do something? And and coming back to this idea about age, which. Um, you know, do I want to make something that's a little more autobiographical, a little bit more about some of the stuff we're talking about, about not being fresh out of the gate? And, you know, for me personally, you know, I was in a very, very long relationship that ended. And, you know, that has been a, a game changer in my life in pos- many positive and some challenging ways. But something about another chapter of my life that I feel like I have not seen so much in film. 
So yeah. So I mean, I first off, I have to write it. <laughs> then I have to figure oh, out. Yeah. Then I figure out how much it would cost, and then I have to, you know. So I'm a big procrastinator, especially about writing. I mean, all these years, I had a writers group with a variety of people. We called it the uh, Deadline Actors Writing Group, DOG. DOG. And, oh, you know, we'd yeah. meet once a month usually. Very hip, it was by the super way. hip. It was rough. I would always, if the meeting was like the last Sunday of the month, Saturday night, I'd be up all night of writing. I, three, you know, the entire time, I would always wait. Like school. But you know what, though? I have really just embraced that that's my writing style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so. I know, I need to set a deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set it the night before I can yes. fucking write something. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I'm tired of judging myself. I yes. just did this show at Joe's Pub that was truly merciless. It was, yeah. <laughs> I was so glad it was over. Yeah. And I just realized, okay, this is my writing style. I have like maybe an hour a day yeah. where I'm actually <laughs> good. An hour a day is amazing. Yeah, so... I'm not going to judge myself and yeah, feel yeah, yeah. guilty for the other 23. Right, right, right. I'm going to just work really hard for the hour. And I don't know. I think maybe just embrace the fact that, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the guy, you're the guy who writes but the, the night before. But the hard part is is having a real deadline as opposed to an imposed deadline. Self-imposed. So you, when you have, like, my shows at Joe's Pub on Saturday, November, blah, blah, blah. Saturday. You, whatever. Monday. Jeez. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Saturday night. I'm not Judy Collins. <laughs> I love her Joe's Pub shows. They're amazing. Um, send in the clouds, Judy. Um, but, you know, when you have, like, my shows on a certain date, you have a real deadline. If I'm right. just like, I should write this screenplay. Harry, make sure you stay on right. me. And by January 15th, I should have the first draft. But no one gives a shit. Of course. No one's sitting, like, waiting. Jay, did you finish your first draft? <laughs> Who the fuck cares? That's why what if you did a table read? And, like, set a date, you mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, something. That's what was so good about Dog. Dog was. That's why we put the word deadline in yes. the in the t- in that the title of the group. Totally it. Yes. Because yes. people did it ultimately. But then I got frustrated with having a writing group because <laughs> the last minute, you know, of the eight of us who were coming, four people wouldn't show up. One person, I didn't write anything. Maybe, and I'm like. It's too... I'm sorry, I keep hitting the table. You said don't hit the table. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Harris Jensen. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, the other thing, too, is when I first started this whole... You know, I took read every book and took every workshop and talked to every person. And, you know, people were like, when you go to the film festivals, you've got to have your next film in your back pocket right. ready. So you're ready to slip up your card, slip them your next film. And then as the festivals approach, I'm like, I don't have a screenplay. I don't have... I had to go get a card made, you know. And... I, there's part of me that's like, you know what? I could also just have made one short film and it was really successful and that's it. And that's not a failure. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I... Well, it's also like, do you want to yeah. be a director of films? I, you know, like... I if, mean, I like the director thing. It's fun to be, you know, the final say, to be the visionary of it, to be, you know, as scary as it is when... You know, especially on the film, you know, you finish a shot and every head turns to you like, now what? And you're like, you know, do you do it again? Do you change the frame? Do you this? Do you that? It's you. It's only you. I mean, as it's both a super high and a terrifying, horrible thing. Um, So I don't know. I mean, don't you think that comes from a result of, as we keep saying, getting older and that, you know, being in the driver's seat as as. Being a director is being in the driver's seat in the way that being an actor almost never is. You are always waiting for somebody to give you a job, waiting for somebody to give you a direction, you know. And so maybe that comes with less tolerance as you grow older. It's like, wow, I really need to be in control of something. Yeah. I mean, and also just creating material that you're passionate about, that you feel like you want to be a part of, as opposed to, you know... Another I mean, production of Irma Vep. Another production of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you're like, okay, you know, I could go do that. But, I mean, right now, 
teaching and I'm getting to direct at school somewhat too. I direct some of their final films. I'm directing a showcase they're doing. So, I mean, that is my main creative outlet right now. Yeah. And it's challenging. And uh, um, How did you get that gig? Uh, you know, slept with everybody. Good for no. you. <laughs> um, the old-fashioned way. Good for a you. Gr- a woman I went to college with. Okay, um, well then I know that this story is not true. <laughs> <laughs> She's a lesbian, though. If that, that makes, change, that makes it harder. That makes it even harder. <laughs> Uh, years and years ago, I had reached out to her and said, hey, could you recommend me? And they're like, they're not hiring. Um, and then a year and a half ago, she said, AMDA has just upped their game. They're taking 25% more students. They need to hire 12 teachers tomorrow. Send your stuff in. Mention oh, my name. Great. And I got an interview. And then they watch you teach a class. And I got an extra interview. And and then they hired me, and then right away I got to play and couldn't teach that first semester. <laughs> um, but then I came back, and they put me on the next semester, and so that's really the beginning of 2019 is when I've been teaching there, and they've. Uh, and you had been teaching at another school. And I, for I had a taught while. at the New York Film Academy as well, where Harry taught as well for a while. Hmm. Which, you know, I would never have made the film if not for the fact that I taught on camera acting and I directed a bunch of these student kind of scenes and that gave me because even when I was going to do the film I thought I'm the writer and the producer I'll hire a director because I've never directed a film what the fuck do I know but thankfully I got some good advice from a couple of people who said it's your story you know how you want to tell it you get a good director of photography and you should direct it really? thank god I listened to that advice right. because if I had let someone else direct it well I mean it never would have been what I wanted it probably would never have had the success it had so I'm really grateful for those people who told me to do that those couple of people um, I'm so proud of you for doing it because the thing is you you followed through on it and while you were doing it it seemed to me even though it was difficult yeah. It seemed to me that it was fulfilling you in a way like you came to realize you had that skill. You were you, you this creative outlet was being met or released or however you want to put it and and you you seemed to really thrive on it even though it was very stressful. It was very, you know, you and it's very much like a look I made a hat situation. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it's, and I mean, it's incredible to think I've not been able to go to France and Amsterdam and Australia and all these places it's played. But, you know, the fact that it's played all over the world and yeah. people have responded to this weird little 12 and a half film, minute film I made. Um, I mean, there's, it's incredible. I mean, that high that you know, well, we all know, of making an audience laugh. You know, that thing that's probably the main thing that keeps us going. Um, to have, to create something that you're not in and have people laugh and respond. I mean, that is an equally awesome huh. sensation that huh. I, uh, it's, it's very vulnerable. Um, especially, I guess, because it was new where I feel like, not to say I don't have vulnerability as a comedic actor, but I also feel like I know what I'm doing. You know, right? Well, it's very different when it's your words, yeah, or yeah, your, yeah, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. Your, your idea, and your, yes, and and when you're the one in charge, it's, yeah, you can't. When you're in a bad play, you can be like, "Oh, it's a bad play." Totally, I've terrible nailed record, my bit, terrible right? Yeah. Exactly, right? Oh, well, yeah, we've all been amazing in terrible plays. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, yes. almost exclusively for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I really get that. Like, it's yeah. very vulnerable to put it out there. Yeah. But then for it to be well-received, it's Yes. Like, oh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Beyond. I mean, and, yeah, I, I mean, I learned a lot that there's a lot of terrible short films out there. There's a lot of terrible films out there. So, I mean, I feel like I listened to the right people who said, you know, make sure your sound is good. Make sure you have a right. good color per- correction person. Make sure you get good actors. Make sure, da 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 you know, so. I have a small cameo in it. He does. Mm. He does. What's the name of your character, Harry? Dom Top for you. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. My cat has a small cameo, too. Type, typecasting. That's she's lovely. called... Uh, oh, yeah. She's Ripe Rimmer. 
sexy. And uh, yeah, she has an IMDb credit now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for her. That's yeah. so nice. I love that she's she's got. You know what? Now that's good. She doesn't have to go to Bushwick. <laughs> <laughs> but she could have a lot of attitude around the house. Touche. Yeah. 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 Um. So. At, at the end of every episode, yes. which we have approached. Seriously, it goes by so fast. It does. It does. So we ask everyone, um, by the way, Sorry, I siren. love that siren, and it's... Is it ringing through your ear phone it, right now? Yeah, we can hear it. You can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> we are, by the, we I, are at Harry's apartment. We're looking out on, what is that, 10th Avenue? Avenue? Looking down 10th Avenue. Uh, I mean, what a city. What a city we're in. It feels very... Um, Glamorous. There's also a child across the way in a bunk bed in a yeah, big that's, fancy building. That's the Yotel. Oh, oh. Hotel across the street. Yeah, I live in the corner of Forty uh, Second and Tenth. You know, which the sirens are non. What's the address at apartment? Number? No, I don't know. <laughs> but it is um, Manhattan Plaza. Plaza. It's Manhattan home Plaza, of, home of former guest Pam Goldberg. Um, right. So um, we ask everyone: a year from now, what's your dream? <gasps> What's what's the hope? Um, December first, twenty twenty, and it can be personal. It can be professional. It can be, I mean, it could be political too. But don't waste it. We all know what your hope is. <laughs> and if it's not, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it is. It's his hope. It's his hope. Wow. God. I mean, a year from today, it's hard to know. Uh, what's the dream? Well, um, Jen and I believe in goal setting. I would definitely like to be in a uh, another relationship. Oh, personally, interesting. Um, whatever that means, I would let that be kind of vague. Um, professionally, let's say I'm on the way to making a feature film, and let's say that uh, I'm doing something as an actor that is. Uh, Exciting and challenging. And what would that be? Just, just, um, just what would be an exciting and challenging? I mean, to me, originating a role in a play in New York would definitely be, you know, and something that, uh, you know, I love uh, theater that has a little bit of politics. You know, uh, I did the revival of the, the Normal Heart at the Public, and uh, but it doesn't have to be. The, necessarily straight on politics just something that is um challenging people in some way and and is uh new and fresh i mm-hmm. guess i don't know was that vague enough yeah <laughs> you could be as vague or specific as yeah. you want although i yeah. did push for a little more specific <laughs> so i guess that's not Too true shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being our guest. Oh we appreciate God. it. It was yeah. a pleasure. It flew by. I'm so glad I asked. Thanks. Thank you, you for thank you for letting me be the the guest. Thank you for uh, being. Should our I thank guest Jen host. or you? Um, Jen. Okay. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for letting me guest host. Look, we both know who wears the pants in this relationship, <laughs> and it's not me. Mm-mm. Because have, I've got such good have legs. Have fun in Hartford. Right. Or, yeah. Hartford, right? Hartford. Yeah, I saw you her in it. She was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I uh, used to be in that. Uh, that's right. That's right. Harry Harry Booby is the reason that Jen is in yeah. Hartford nice. as we speak. We love you, Jen. Touche. Touche. Touche.